Talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talk a little bit about benefits. Yeah, benefits. Talking benefits. You're listening to Talking Benefits, the podcast brought to you by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. Every month, we dive into retirement, healthcare, hot topics and trends, and whatever else the benefits industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Ann Patterson. I'm Julie Stick. And I'm Kelly Colesrude. Now let's talk benefits. The idea of this episode topic came to us before the coronavirus pandemic hit, but we're realizing that it's still very applicable to our new normal and something that employees are dealing with no matter what their circumstances might be right now. And that topic is sleep or lack thereof. Everyone's situation is different, but for many families, the pandemic has forced completely new routines and demands. Now this uncertainty and lifestyle shift has led to many disruptions, including sleep. Good sleep is essential for a healthy immune system, and that's more important now than perhaps ever before. That's right, Julie. And there's a lot of stress and uncertainty that's looming right now. And uh, so it's understandable that sleep is flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, But lack of sleep can make everything worse. So it's really an important uh, topic for you as an employer to be aware of. And whether you or your workers have had sleeping problems before COVID-19, or if these problems have only come on recently, there are some concrete steps that can be taken to improve sleep during this global pandemic. Did you know that according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 35% of adults in the U.S. are sleep deprived? And that's defined as averaging less than seven hours of sleep uh, in any given 24-hour period. Uh, That number is almost doubled amongst high school students who need between 8 and 10 hours of sleep for proper development. I did not know that, Justin. That was an interesting factoid. Mm -hmm. Um, As a new mom, I thought six hours was a good night, so that's interesting. A study by the National Safety Council that I found stated that nearly 90% of employers have been negatively impacted by tired employees. So besides having a six-month-old going through a bit of a sleep regression right now, what are some other reasons that people are not getting enough sleep? Let's dive into that a bit here. Well, Anne, first and most obvious are medical conditions like sleep apnea. Lots of other health issues can cause insomnia too. Examples include heartburn, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, musculoskeletal disorders such as arthritis and back pain, kidney disease, mental health problems, neurological disorders, thyroid disease, sinus allergies, and respiratory problems, including asthma. Wow, Julie, that's, that's a big list. Also related to health conditions, though, certain medications may cause sleep interruptions as well. In fact, that happened to me once. During my cancer treatment several years ago, I absolutely could not fall asleep at all one night, And when I mentioned it to my doctor, she told me that one of the side effects of a particular medication she had prescribed for me was insomnia. So she just had me stop taking that med and the issue was fixed. So our 2018 study on mental health found that uh, sleep deprivation and sleep disorders are prevalent in 37% of responding U.S. organizations. And obviously this data was reported before the pandemic. 
Nowadays, uh, keeping track of the time and even the day can be hard without typical time anchors, uh, such as dropping off kids at school, arriving at the office, attending uh, social events that are recurring, going to the gym. Um, so to me, it just feels like everyone is all thrown off. It's true. Time has no meaning right now. Yeah. <laughs> Another potentially newer reason for sleep deprivation is the impact of screen time on workers. Yes, we're uh, actually doing it. We're actually screen timing right now and recording this podcast. So, but along with that, we've been uh, video chatting with colleagues, families, friends, a lot more compared to just a few months ago. And this, this is just to make up for not seeing everyone in person, obviously. Right. And I know with more people working from home now and needing to maybe care for their children during the day or, or deal with other commitments during the day, employees might be working different or later hours. So they're looking at their computer screen at 9 p.m. and instead of 4 p.m. And I was reading that apparently screens emit blue light and exposure to that light during two hours before bed can keep us from getting a good night's rest. So it impacts our internal clock and confuses the body. Some science knowledge for you there. Mm -hmm. Wow, two hours before bed. That, that's quite a long time, Anne. Well, and here's some more science for you. You know, being stuck at home, especially if your home has low levels of natural light, that may reduce light-based cues for wakefulness and sleep, known as zeitgebers, which are crucial to our circadian rhythm. Did you know that word before this podcast? Kelly? No, no. And I even had to look up the pronunciation and gave myself hints here. <laughs> you said it very well. I didn't study German. So, you know, I had to, I had to look that up. <laughs> yes. So another potential reason is worker stress. Research has shown a significant correlation between sleep deprivation and worker stress levels. According to our 2019 wellness study, 35% of responding organizations reported higher levels of stress than just two years earlier. Now, I can't even imagine what on earth that percentage would look like if we asked it today, right? Would it be like 90%, even more? Uh, with everything that's going on right now, stress levels are definitely off the charts. Absolutely, Julie. And uh, for some work workers, uh, there seems to be sort of a badge of honor associated with not needing much sleep. And on the other end, maybe even a stigma if someone needs a lot of sleep. I know I've often overheard conversations about people kind of bragging that they only need about five hours of sleep to function effectively. If that's really true, I'm sure that we're all pretty envious of those people because I am not one of those people. <laughs> Same, Justin. There's also a new pandemic factor and that is oversleeping. So I know earlier I referred to this episode topic as sleep or lack thereof, but if employees aren't working at the moment or if their weekly work hours have been decreased due to COVID-19, or their schedules just off a bit, the temptation to oversleep each morning is definitely real. So sleeping more than seven to eight hours per night can make waking up more difficult and oversleepers may also feel groggy, irritable, and unfocused throughout the day. So just an interesting other element of, of the pandemic and sleep patterns. So it sounds a bit like a three bears situation to me, where you don't want too little, you don't want too much, we need just the right amount of sleep. Okay, that, that's all very interesting, but our listeners may be asking themselves from an employer perspective, why should they care? Well, first and obvious is productivity. 
Research shows that sleep deprivation has a significantly negative impact on worker productivity. Our minds just work better when they have had an adequate amount of sleep. Another reason for employers to care is safety. So many International Foundation members work in skilled or construction trades, including pipe fitters, sheet metal workers, electricians, truck drivers. So these are people who are operating vehicles, heavy equipment, machinery. And one study demonstrated that after 17 to 19 hours without sleep, performance was equivalent or worse than that of a blood alcohol level of 0.05%. And most states set their DUI limit as 0.08%. So that's pretty scary there when you're thinking about operating that important machinery. According to the National Sleep Foundation, on average, 100,000 vehicle crashes each year are caused by fatigue drivers. Yikes, that's a scary statistic indeed. And okay, another major reason that employers should be concerned about worker sleep levels is healthcare costs. Studies have shown that a lack of sleep can lead to several serious health conditions, including obesity and the worsening of diabetes and other disorders such as epilepsy, heart disease, digestion and stomach problems, depression, certain cancers, and even reproductive problems. In addition, a lack of sleep can even lead to substance abuse issues. So getting enough sleep to boost the immune system and strengthen our body's defenses which is always very important, and even more so during this time, as we mentioned at the outset. So what can employers and workers as well, employees, do about this? Let's start with the nine to fibers who typically work in an office, but now might be working from home, or those who have always worked from home. Yeah, and I know this will vary based on uh, everyone's individual uh, work from home circumstances, uh, but going to bed and waking up at around the same time each day really helps. We sort of have a routine with our 10-month-old daughter, and adults can benefit from kind of winding down at that same time each and every day and waking up uh, at the same time every day. Yeah, I'm finding that having a morning routine is really helpful with working from home. Like weird things will come up, especially with having other family members involved, but I'm much more productive when I get dressed, I put on earrings, even if I'm not going anywhere, um, coffee going all before sitting down at my desk. Well, now here's a funny thing that we're dealing with, naps. I know nap or meditation rooms have been a trend in some workplaces, but it hasn't been very common. Our 2019 wellness survey found that nap rooms were available from only about 8% of our respondents. Now, with working from home, nap rooms are everywhere. But but seriously, it is really tempting, and it's easier to take more naps. A short power nap early in the afternoon can be useful for some people to boost energy and productivity, but it's best to avoid long naps or naps taken later in the day. That'll just mess up your sleep that night. Well, here's another idea. You could offer virtual yoga or Tai Chi classes. Teach employees these techniques so they can practice them at home and also give them the opportunity to practice them during the workday. Yeah, that's a nice idea, Kelly. Um, One more work from home tip that I was reading about, don't work in bed. 
So I have one of those adjustable beds that are, it's nice, but it's also very tempting to take my laptop in there to crank out a couple emails in the morning, but your brain needs to associate your bedroom with sleep and not working. Well, now I'm finding it hard to draw a line with when I stop working since, as I think I've shared before, my desk is my kitchen table right now. So by setting a time to stop working each day, I'm trying to do that. I'm allowing my brain to wind down a bit. Yeah, that's a good reminder, Julie. All right, so what about deskless workers? After the break, we will focus on some tips for essential workers, such as firefighters, EMS workers, police, manufacturing, hospitality, and truck drivers. The International Foundation has over 32,000 members across the U.S. and Canada from all walks of the work world, including desk and deskless workers. And we'd love it if you join our ranks. Foundation members get a ton of benefits like discounted registration for our many educational events, free webcasts, and legal and legislative updates, just to name a few. See what the foundation can do for you. Visit ifebp.org slash membership today. And we are back. Hope you didn't fall asleep. <laughs> We're I know, kind of lame, huh? <laughs> We're talking about what employers can do to assist sleep-deprived workers. So we tackled the nine-to-fivers. How about employees in other-than-office workplaces? They make up a significant portion of our membership and include fire, EMS, police, healthcare, manufacturing, hospitality, truck drivers, and grocery store workers. So shift work is the reality for about 25% of North American workers. A shift worker, especially one who works nights, has to function on a schedule that is not natural, in quotes. And this can upset their circadian rhythm, leading to fatigue and disorientation. Some rhythms adapt in two to three days, while others change only after long periods. Optimizing the design of the shift schedule is the most effective way of reducing health and safety problems. That's right, Anne. And the National Council on Safety provided some scheduling tips for employer who employ shift workers. These tips include avoid assigning permanent night shift schedules if possible, assigning regular predictable schedules, avoiding longer shift lengths. Uh, if you could stick to eight to 10 hours, that's more preferred to say a 12 hour shift, providing adequate time to recover between shifts, giving workers a voice in their schedule, uh, rotating shifts forward when regularly rotating shifts, and finally, uh, providing frequent breaks within your scheduled shifts. Well, that's great information for employers of deskless workers. Are there any tips that apply regardless of your employee's work environment or when they punch in? Yes, Julie. So regardless of whether your workers work at a desk or not, uh, you might want to think about including coverage for sleep deprivation in your plans. Uh, according to our most recent mental health study from 2018, 42% of employers provide this coverage. Uh, so it's something to think about uh, if your organization is currently not offered. It's interesting that you mentioned sleep deprivation treatments, Justin. I was curious about what those treatments might entail. So I read up on it. Um, of course, the first thing that comes to mind are various medications and sleeping pills. However, there are some other options instead of drugs that make you sleepy. A doctor might suggest allergy or cold medication. 
or melatonin supplements. Also, if sleep deprivation is caused by other health issues, a medical professional will try to determine the root cause and treat that. For example, if teeth grinding is the issue, a dental guard will be recommended, or if the cause is sleep apnea, surgery or a breathing device might be needed. There are also a few non-medical treatments that can be tried. One example is relaxation training, sometimes called progressive muscle relaxation, which helps to induce sleep and calm the body. This type of training includes guided imagery, meditation, and breathing exercises. There's also stimulus control therapy, which sets up a positive relationship between your sleeping room and sleep. And another option is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is basically a talking therapy that helps you change your thinking so you can change your behavior. The website sleepfoundation.org has lots of great tips on healthy sleep habits. And one of them I really liked. Kindness and connection can reduce stress and its harmful effects on mood and sleep. There's lots of doom and gloom out there right now. So try to balance that with positive stories or reach out to family and friends who lift you up, make you laugh, and that can help you better prepare for bed. That's right, Kelly. Um, Another tip is to uh, think about specific ways that you can meet employees where they are right now by offering uh, stress management benefits. More than one in four organizations who responded to our study offer resources and referral services for child or elder care. Other ideas to promote good sleep include formal stress management programs and uh, mindfulness and meditation tools and resources. I know a couple of people who use apps when they can't fall asleep, which is a nice tool to remember. So guided, medica- guided meditation, not medication. But as we, as we talked about before, it could be medication. Or, you know, Nick Offerman reading bedtime stories. Those are all helpful resources, too, to keep in mind. Well, one thing I heard about and that I've tried, and I know it sounds kind of dumb, but I keep a pad of paper and a pen on my nightstand. And if I wake up in the middle of the night and I start thinking about a work issue or an appointment that I need to make or a gift that I forgot to buy, I find it really does help me to write it down. And then it can stop stewing about it and it lets me fall back asleep. You know, you might want to try it. It sounds weird, but it's worked for me. I do the same thing, Julie, but I text myself. So I'll wake up to all these texts from Ann Patterson, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good way to, to stop thinking about it for sure. And uh, we haven't mentioned caffeine yet, uh, but it, it impacts everyone differently. So it's very important to understand how its consumption can uh, impact your sleep patterns. Since working from home, uh, my husband will, he's also working from home and he'll make us a spot of coffee in the afternoon. And I recently had to put a stop to that because I was noticing it was getting really difficult to fall asleep at night. So yeah, caffeine definitely affects everybody very differently. Well, don't make me give up my tab. Yes, Julie loves the tab. (laughs) (laughs) Another tip that helps me, and it is recommended by sleep experts, is to keep the bedroom cool, dark, and quiet. I know it sounds like I'm going into hibernation like a bear, but hey, I'm grateful for my ceiling fan and blackout curtains. Well, I totally get that. I use a sound or a white noise machine. It's like a lullaby to me. And my pillow. Okay, after much, much, much searching, I finally found my perfect pillow. And I know that sounds dumb too, but what a difference that makes. 
Yes. That does not sound dumb. There's a lot of benefits to having a perfect pillow, Julie. Um, another factor to consider is food. So it's a good idea to avoid large meals or snacks before bedtime. <clears throat> Lying down with a full stomach isn't the best thing for the digestive system. You also may want to consider what you eat. So heavy or rich foods, fatty or fried foods, spicy foods, and citrus can trigger indigestion and interfere with sleep. So maybe just if you had a bad night sleeping, think about what you ate that day and maybe that triggered your bad sleep pattern. Absolutely. And uh, being physically active uh, during the day can also help you fall asleep uh, more easily at night. Um, I know personally, I find uh, that being active outside in the fresh air really, really helps me fall asleep at night. So we're all going to aim to get our full eight hours tonight, right? Ooh, that would be great, but I don't know if it'll happen right away. I'm definitely going to try to be more mindful about my sleep, and I will try to make some changes. Uh, like maybe I don't really need to watch that extra episode of the show that I'm binging right now, and my head could hit my perfect pillow an hour earlier tonight. I mean, it depends how good that show is, Julie, but that's a good, <laughs> good way to be more mindful of this. And hopefully baby Eliza will cooperate tonight, but I know babies have little minds and patterns of their own, as you well know, Justin. Yes, I will try my best to get eight hours, but it's not necessarily my decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, we want to give a shout out to listener Ron Krupa for giving the show some love on LinkedIn shortly after our benefits on the big screen episode. Thanks very much, Ron. And of course, a big thank you to all of you listening right now. That's it for this episode. Uh, we will be back in your podcast feed soon. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to the show in your podcast app so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Talking Benefits is a production of the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, the largest educational association for those working in the benefits industry. If you're into benefits, check out all that the International Foundation has to offer at ifebp.org. Our show is hosted by Julie Stick, Kelly Colesrud, Ann Patterson, and me, Justin Held. Produced by Rose Pleva and Stacey Van Alstein, and edited by Amanda Gilsmer. Today's program is copyrighted in 2020 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel. Well, it makes you wonder what pets are going to do if and when we ever go back to whatever used to be normal or whatever. You know, I mean, pets who are used to having their humans with them all day long, or what they're going to suffer going back, I would think. We're going to need pet psychologists. That'll be a new, uh, <laughs> a new trend. A new benefit need. Totally. <laughs> yeah.